Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's sake. My name is Pete Selby and episode 107 and I'm delighted to welcome Rob Hayes to the show because he's the other co-presenter. So it'll be only right if I do exactly what we've done for 106 rough times. Um... Now, happy New Year, Pete. Yeah, I thought New you were Year. kicking me out then. I thought it was New Year, new podcast kind of thing. Yeah, let, let's let's get out of there quick. Happy New Year. Um, what a wonderful start to the year. Absolutely. If if our last episode was entitled Happy New Year almost after the defeat to Cardiff, then I don't actually know what we what to call this one. We don't normally decide till the end anyway, so we don't have to make a decision right now, but... We we just had a brief chat before we came on. Nothing really to do with what we were going to say. More just to say hello and happy new year. And the word you just keep repeating over and over again is mess. Uh, and can I remind you, Pete? It is a family friendly podcast, so please don't swear. Uh, it just makes my job a lot harder finding the the beep noise to put over it. But mess is how you're describing it. Yes. It, it, what a complete mess. Um, I, I think that the the problem is. The problem is, and you have to put this out straight away, you've got no divine right to win any game of football. Um, Leicester have notoriously in the past have been the underdog. Fair play to uh, Newport, who we were fantastic. Everything about it was great. From a neutral's point of view, it was a tremendous game in results. And, and, and I can even see that, and you can, and, and most normal thinking Leicester fans can see that. Um, but you have to come from, obviously, the Leicester angle. That's what we do. The, the this had been coming for a start. The fact that we'd just got past Fleetwood before, possibly deserved to lose the first game there from previous um, rounds of, of of FA Cups and, and and other games. You when you looked at the team, I'm not saying it's as an aftertime, but you knew. You looked at that and went, "Oh right." It, there was just no. It, there was no forward thinking for me. There was no. Um, we're going to play this person in this role, we're going to try so-and-so out in this role, um, or we're going to go and blitz them with the first team, or even we're going to play a completely different side and go completely rogue on it. It was just like they've turned up and gone, oh, we'll just scramble together a few players, shove them in the same formation that we've been playing that we know that when teams sit back, we're not good enough really to break them down. I know you're talking Premier League level there, and a League Two side who are mid-table in League Two should be, you know, and and, and obviously we had the chances, etc. But it just looked like it, it's so devoid of any forward planning, and and this is what we'll go through really. Um, at, one thing I just want to read you, uh, Rob, is the team. So you look at the defence, you've got Ward in goal, obviously he was going to be in goal, no problem. The back four, very experienced, Simpson, Morgan, Evans and, and Fuchs, three of the four title winning side, uh, a solid defence. Chowdhury and James in midfield, Albrighton, Gazelle and Okazaki behind Iniacho. In that four-two-three-one formation, which we know doesn't really work 
with the players we've got. The players are not good enough to play in that formation, especially the ones going forward. In, in fact, you'd say only the ones really going forward. The rest of it's quite quite normal and quite obvious. What are your thoughts, Rob, about the team, about the selection? He, oh, do you know what? <clears throat> when I saw it, I thought, and I was expecting that many changes. I don't think that Paul will have taken a blind bit of notice of the fact that that fans were calling out for him to name uh, what we would call a full strength team on the basis that the FA Cup was the only competition that really matters to us because bar an absolute nightmare, we're not going to be relegated from the Premier League. And yes, positions in the Premier League do matter and uh, and if 7th and Europa League was the aim for the season and that's what he wants to focus on, then fine, whatever. But there were always going to be changes, so I wasn't surprised. Um, when you look at the personnel that you've named in that team, regardless of current form or um, performances in a Leicester shirt, that is a team that at worst should be winning most championship matches and at best could finish probably lower mid-table in the Premier League on its day. So when you're looking at the fact that you're playing a, a team from League 2 who have won one in their last eight, um, it, sh- it was always going to be a struggle. It wasn't going to be the best game in the world, but it should have been a victory regardless of of the fact that those players aren't necessarily playing football for Leicester City. But I, I agree completely with what you said Pete, in the fact that the 4-2-3-1 formation with our best 11 in it has struggled to break down pretty much every team in the Premier League this season. Uh, and the victories that we've had recently have been by virtue of a, of a 4-3-3 um, or, in the case of Everton, Everton playing badly, Jamie Vardy getting one chance, Leicester scoring a goal. Now, you play that same formation, including some players that are either getting nowhere near the starting 11 or should not be getting anywhere near the starting 11. To name, let's say, Okazaki and James, who haven't played an awful lot of football this season at all, falling in the bracket of haven't been getting near the starting 11. And players like Rashid Ghazal, who absolutely shouldn't be getting anywhere near the first 11. Um, when you When you take that into consideration, is anybody surprised that we, that we couldn't break down Newport County? Um, regardless of what division they're in. No, because the, our first teamers can't do it against pretty much every team in the Premier League. So why would our second string team be able to do so against a team that, as you said, Pete, all credit to them, they pressed really high. They played their two wingers high on our fullbacks to stop us being able to play out from the back. Um, left it with the centre-backs, pressed and squeezed in midfield, knowing full well that Matty James is not a ball-playing midfielder and hadn't kicked a ball in a competitive game in in what since March of last year I think, um, and they did they did a number on us. It was it was a great performance by them. And if that was anybody else on the telly that day, I'd have thoroughly enjoyed watching the game. But obviously we're watching it from a Leicester perspective, and I absolutely hated watching it. It was so horrible to watch. There's a there's a big problem slash gap between fans and football clubs in general. And obviously with what's happened to our club. In the last few months, the the club is is close to the fans and the community, etc. But I'm talking in general, because this point really 
carries into most clubs, especially those in that mid-table, mid-to-high table area of the Premier League, where the fans love the FA Cup. They want us to win the FA Cup, obviously. They want... We've never won the FA Cup. They want the cut run. A trophy is worth more than three or four places in the league, obviously. Now, one or two people have said to me, yeah, but you weren't going to win the FA Cup. Or if you won that game, people are maybe going over the top because it was such an early round. You can't say that. Who knows what draw we would have got. We could have got a League One side in the next round at home. We could have got a championship side then. Next, you never know. You could get a, a very simple run. My mantra has always been, let's go to the semi-finals at least. We've not been in the semi-finals since 82, something like that. Um, so for me, there's a big gap between what management at the level of a football club like Leicester City in terms of, I don't know about the owners, but in terms of the first team management, what their expectations of the FA Cup are compared to um, the fans. And you see that in team selections. You saw Tottenham win away against Tranmere and bring on England captain Harry Kane and scored a goal when they were 6-0 up. And they got a little bit of abuse from that, from idiots. And it was stupid. Now, they were never going to play their first team. The first thing I'd say... Why not? There's no reason why you can't. And I, the one thing I've got in my mind is that years ago, what happened to playing some young players? We've played the likes of Okazaki and Matty James, who have not played at all recently. You've got Gazelle, who's been disappointing and who was withdrawn, I want to say, at half-time against Everton. It's a very, very basic average team. And just because they're first-team squad members doesn't mean that they should automatically be the next choice along if you're going to rest some players or change the team around. Now, I've just written down three players off the top of my head. Before we started, you've got Darnell Johnson, captain of the under-23s, who are sitting second in their league, ahead of Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea and Arsenal. And they won yesterday against Everton. You've got... Um, Admiral, is it uh, Musqui or, or Mushqui? Um, I don't quite know how to pronounce his surname. But um, And you've got Josh Knight. You've got three players there who, if you brought them into the Leicester side, alongside a first-team side, you know, Vardy up top. Um, I mean, you could even play Inyacho up top. But these players in amongst the absolute first team, Indeedy's there, Mendy's there, that's fine. Bring in two or three young players to play alongside first team players that's what the FA Cup third round away at Newport should look like and then if you are comfortable in the game you can then take off said Vardy or said Ndidi and replace them with further players who are from the under 23s or if so-and-so needs a, an, a 20 minutes on the field like a Matty James then you can bring them on just to start with that basic side was for me, very lazy, not forward thinking in the slightest, which is what Puel is supposed to be, and and it, and is with it when it comes to young players. I'm disappointed. I thought Puel would have loaded the side with at least three or four youngsters, not the likes of the first team squad who have not playing, and they're not playing for a certain reason. We know James with his injury uh, background, but the others are not playing for reasons. Okazaki. You know, fa fabulous person. We know what he's done, but he 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 will need to leave in the summer. Um, we need to move him on. And it's just for me. It was lazy. 
and we got done fair and square. And it's disappointing. The fans have obviously reacted um, very, very badly to it. It's a lot of it anti-Puel. I would put that alongside the the team as well. I think they were just tremendously disappointing. And again, if you're a Leicester fan now, you're sitting there going, well, what is there this season? We're seventh in the league. Yes, we can carry on in the Premier League and try and win as many games as we can and finish seventh and qualify for Europe or maybe even go any higher. Yes, that's obviously the case. But the FA Cup is now no more. And for me, it's just because of laziness. And that's what it is. Yes, Vardy needs a rest because he's carrying an injury and he's by far our best striker. Great goal against Everton in a tremendously terrible game, but a 1-0 victory because we had a centre-forward on field who can score. Now, should he have played at the weekend? Of course he should have. But if he couldn't play, then play Iniacho. But because of the lack of Vardy in the side, that's when you look around and go, we really need to actually then put a Mendy in and an Indeedy. You need to play your first team. You need to play your first team because without Vardy, we know the Leicester team is so weak that you need to play the best side possible if Vardy's not there. And that's what I'm I'm disappointed at. The fact that the under-23s win the day after, go second in the league, and none of them were involved, who would have been 100% for the cause, play them alongside the first-teamers, job done. But and, and again, if you play that and you lose because they, they win fair and square, that's what's happened. Sometimes in football that happens. But I just didn't like the approach from Leicester at all. No, it was all very uninspiring, wasn't it? Um and we have we we've spoken at length about Kalechi Inacho on this podcast and he is the kind of striker that needs good service to his feet in the box like it or not that is the kind of striker that he is and we've not been able to provide him with that service when we've got our first choice team out so what on earth made Clopuel think that we'd be able to get that service to him with a second string team it was it was just so frustrating because I don't know what I'd love to be a fly on the wall and see what tactical approach Clopwell actually asked those players to employ because I'm certain that a man of his intelligence, a man of his experience, um, a man with with his CV would not have asked them to have played and I don't think I'm exaggerating here twenty long balls over the head of Kalechi Inacho for the six foot four Newport skipper to absolutely lap up. And if he did ask them to do now, I mean, I'm not even entertaining that. He can't have asked them to do that. But when he realised that Newport were squeezing certain areas of the pitch, he has to be able to see a way to enable his players to outmanoeuvre and outthink players who are playing three, four divisions lower than him in order to get us to be playing football. Because the amount of times, and I, I, I tried to sort of take a mental tally, if you like, by shouting long ball every time we lump one up a good yard over Iheanacho's head. And I even bored myself by by doing that. I was just, I, I could not believe the amount of times that Newport were able to just push up and stop us playing it out to Fuchs or Simpson not the playing it out to Simpson would be of any use to anybody anyway. But then Evans and Morgan looking. I saw Evans have five, ten seconds on the ball with his arms by his side saying, come on, give me a pass. They couldn't. And Evans isn't there to be the main ball player. He's The centre-backs have the least technical ability on the football pitch. Nobody came short for him. 
when they did, they just knocked it back to him or knocked it square. And then Evans had to try and clip one out to feet at the wing or go straight down the throat of the centre-backs. And I just can't fathom how we continue to persist with that as... Uh, even if you're a manager and you're saying I've not told them to play like this you've got to then realise that Newport are stopping us playing football alright the pitch wasn't great can't blame that alright Newport played out of their skins can't blame that we still should have been able to beat them why Kelechi Iheanacho must have been stood up there people slated him at half time a couple of my mates texted me at half time saying is Iheanacho on the pitch and I said well he is but we've not found him I'm not sitting here saying he had the best game in the world, not by a stretch, but when he actually got the ball to his feet, invariably he did find another Leicester player. But he's not a target man. Why, 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 why was one in two balls, probably 50% of our passes, attempted balls forward, were aimed somewhere near the, the a spot about a yard above Kelechi and Acho said it absolutely properly wound me up that that's what I found most difficult we didn't even try to play through them no but and and that's because of the personnel up the top Okazaki the ball wasn't sticking to him we know it can flip up in the air and that's how he sometimes gets fouled and, and, and wins free kicks but Gazelle it wasn't sticking to him or Brighton was being marked out of the game and again what's he going to do get down the wing and, and, and whip a ball into a lone centre forward a fabulous first goal for them the 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 person in the centre scored the goal, just peeled off Morgan. Again, there's been a lot of um, anti-Morgan after that game. Morgan has been tremendous in the last you know few months, what well, this season really. But yeah, he, he got found wanting there. It was a it was a, a classic wing, superb wing play done Fuchs with pace, and a, a fabulous ball into the centre. And again, he he just peeled off off the big man and 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 uh, and, and scored with a great header. And almost the way the game ended, you know, handballs and on penalties. It, it it doesn't really matter. It was so uninspiring. You bring on Gray, you bring on Madison to try and chase the game. Then you you know you're panicking basically. You're bringing these players on. I don't understand. I've I've said this a thousand times, and I'm repeating myself again. I've I've never understood if you're resting a player, don't put them in the squad, because if you're on the bench, you still need to warm up, and then if you're going to come on, you're going to come on and play for thirty minutes in a game where you're obviously chasing and you're still active. You're not really resting, if you know what I mean. When, if they wanted to rest Madison and Gray, play them from the start and then bring them off. It's exactly the same as having to bring them on if it's all gone horribly wrong. If you want to rest a player like with Vardy, obviously that was the plan to rest him and he's completely not in the squad. Okay, that's that's being rested. Resting the player is not putting them on the bench. I've never understood that. Even if they sit there for the entire time, they've still gone through the whole whole build-up. And of course they won't be as, as tired as someone's played 90 minutes, but you get what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, just just absolutely dreadful. Once again, not going further than the quarterfinals in the FA Cup. Once again, players like Maguire, players like Chilwell... Um, you'd throw in Schmeichel and you'll throw in one or two, you even put Vardy in there as well. These players, when it comes to the end of January and over the summer, when some clubs want to bid big money and they think about possibly leaving or whatever, again, a real good FA Cup run, even winning the competition. If you've got an FA Cup winner's medal at Leicester and you've qualified for Europe and you're on a fantastic deal and a big club comes in for you, there's a big chance there or more likely chance that you want to stay at Leicester 
losing against Newports doesn't do Leicester's chances any good of holding off from clubs coming in to sign some of the big players. That People might go, that's an overreaction. That's the case. That's the case. What have you got to look forward to at Leicester? Yes, you're playing you know, a great side and you're playing a decent standard and all that sort of thing and you're earning a lot of money, but you're out of the FA Cup. You, you, there's, there's nothing left this season apart from trying to get as high in the league. It's and it, And when you're in the position Leicester are, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about trying to go from 7th to 6th to 5th. And these things happen. We shouldn't be that side who puts out such a poor team. And lack of planning. I'm going to keep on going back to that. I, I think your your point was, was spot on, Rob, when you mentioned about what Claude Powell said. Has the, have they literally just gone, there's the formation. We'll put, tell you what, we need two defensive midfielders. We'll put Chowdhury, we'll put James, three in behind. Okay, Okazaki needs a game, you can play. And then we'll put Gazelle in because he was poor against Everton, so we'll give him another chance. And we'll put. It, it just seemed like they were just, just popping players in whenever they could. No forward thinking at all. I mean, if I was Darnell Johnson, Josh Knight, and all these lot in the under 20 things, I'd be looking at going, why the hell am I not playing? Where am I? Not even on the bench. Not even on the bench. Not in the squad. It, that is that for me is poor and, and lazy and something that you wouldn't expect from Claude and it doesn't do him any favours he's not doing himself any favours whatsoever but uh, anyway we can't moan for much longer because if we do no we can't I, I'll get well I'll yeah get bored of it let, it's a miserable let alone the it's listeners. a miserable start to 2019 as, as a podcast isn't it um and I don't on, a, I, on the players' note there. I, I completely agree with what you were saying, Pete. And I don't want to be over dramatic myself, but from a, a fan's point of view, what have we got to look forward to now this season? We've got obviously we're playing in the Premier League, uh, and we're highly competitive in the Premier League. Let's be perfectly honest. Seventh, if we finished here now, would be our second best ever finish behind behind the title-winning campaign. So, in that sense, yes, it's wholly it, overall it's positive. But what have we actually got to look forward to? in terms of a short-term goal. Because you can't tell me that, although in hindsight after a season, if you finish seventh, you'd go, yeah, that was good actually. Top six and, and we proved to be the best of the rest. And seventh is quite likely to to qualify you for Europe, albeit look at the impact it had on Burnley. But, but look at it from a positive point of view, European competition, fine. But in terms of actually sitting here right now, does that make you look forward to the next few games going, oh, I'm going to cheer the team on to seventh? No, it doesn't. Do you look forward to each individual game on match day? Of course you do, because that's why people go down. That's why people have had season tickets for 50, 60 years. They enjoy watching live football. They enjoy the match day experience, etc. And that's fine. And that's not going to go away. But in terms of a short-term goal, we now have nothing to look forward to uh, from a footballing sense or a non-footballing sense, really, in the fact that Claude has pretty much said that there's going to be no inward activity in the transfer window, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the second part of this podcast. But what currently is there to look forward to in the immediate future for Leicester City fans? The training ground's coming, the expansion's coming, fine. That's still not something tangible to look forward to and get really excited about right at this moment. It feels like... And we've talked again about the future of Claude Puel on this podcast and the fact that we think that bar something completely drastic, he'll be in charge until the end of the season and then 
our feelings and, and little rumblings that you get from here or there suggest that, that, that it will be a, a change of manager at the end of the season, possibly. So are we all just sort of sitting, waiting to see what happens in the summer? Like, what? It's going to be a waste of a few months. That's that's the problem. That is the problem now with with a fan base who are not completely in tune with the side, with the manager. It's a an app. It's a real problem. It's a huge problem that they've got. When you see the draw for the fourth round of the cup, you're not in there because of obviously what happened. But we would we have got Middlesbrough away, which was the result for Newport. It doesn't always work that way. It doesn't work out the way at all, does it? But. We could have got a nice easy draw. We might have got Chelsea at home in the next round. We might have got Man City at home in the next round. Who knows? But again, there isn't that looking forward to the next round. What they've got to look forward to now, Leicester fans, and what the, what we've got to do is we've got to knuckle down and finish as high as we can in the league. And seventh place is a must, really, because we do need to start qualifying for Europe more times than just... You know your your random Champions League excursion. We need to start qualifying for um, for the Europa League. I know that will mean a, lot, a big burden on the squad, as it did with Burnley, like you said. But I think Leicester will be a different proposition. But we need to because the sort of players that we want to be bringing into the side, and we'll, we'll start talking about, you know, the, the playing side, uh, would expect European football. And uh, it's just such a shame. It really is such a shame, and and for me, completely needless. And uh, and well, we better start talking about footballers and and players who could play for Leicester in the forthcoming weeks and months, and maybe at the end of the season, who will be going, who will be staying. Um, we're on to what day six of Harvey Barnes' watch, um, and he's not there. He's not back at the football. Well, club. technically, day eight, eighth of January. You've missed a few days on the Twitter, I think. Have I? Well, I've just put in the wrong day then. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it, he's still not there. He's still not at the football club. He's with West Brom. He didn't play in the FA Cup game, as far as I'm aware. I'm quite sure that there is a time limit from when Leicester can recall Harvey Barnes. I'm quite sure that they need to do it before a certain date. What that date is, I don't know. But I, unless obviously behind the scenes, there's things that we don't know. In terms of contracts, in terms of bits and bobs like that. But why he's not back at the football club, I have no idea. Firstly, he should have been playing in that game at Newport. What a perfect game for him to come back into the side and get reintegrated into the first team squad. Okay, Perfect game. Why he wasn't there, no idea. Now, again, it might come out that it's some paperwork or whatever reason, or we might actually stay at West Brom. You've got then two players who surely would have played, who haven't. One is Vicente Ibora, who's now gone to Villarreal on a permanent deal. And the other one is Adrian Silva, who surely would have played and is going to be off in the next week or two, the rumour is, to Vanabache, but he looks to have played his last game for Leicester. And we can debate about how well those two players have played in their careers at Leicester, but there's two players who really would have started and would have added to the team, certainly, against Newport. Something needs to be done. The The word from Claude in transfer window talk, in press conferences, is that we're not going to get anything done. You can take that with the biggest pinch of salt 
that you've found in anywhere. It's 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 nonsense. Okay, he's not going to sit there and go. By the way, I'm sitting on hundred million pounds. I'm going to spend it all. It's it's just not going to happen. Okay, so just ignore that comment. That's what he's been told to say by the press guys. That's what that's what's been told. Okay, are Leicester going to make some big name signings? I doubt it. But if you are getting rid of Ibora and Silva, then for various reasons, you know, I think it was um, Ibora wanted to go back for family reasons mainly, but he wasn't a first-team player as well, got a good deal at Villarreal, and Silva's slightly different, not in the squad completely. But if you're letting go two of those players, you need players to come in and replace. And if you're looking seriously at the squad already, you're looking at the likes of Okazaki we've mentioned, and also you'd have to question Matty James instantly and, and one or two others in that first team squad, you'd have to look at them and I'm sure Claude's not stupid enough or blind enough to see that they're not good enough to force their way into the first team on a regular basis. So he has to really be looking at signing these players who would be first team only. Again, you've got a good under 23s. There's no point filling the squad up because if they're not as good as what we've got at the moment or equal to what we've got we've seen that our second string borderline players playing in the first team they're just not up to it yeah um he's club post mentioned harvey barnes and said they're still trying to decide whether it'll be best for his development to stay at west brom for the rest of the season or come back to leicester i mean let's be honest they should have been having that conversation in november so that they were ready to make the decision on January the 1st and do whatever they needed to do to get the paperwork signed to drag him back this way. Um, I agree totally putting him straight into the team against Newport would have made an awful lot of sense. Um, And I hope that he does come back because club well shown in the fact that he likes to rotate the the personnel starting games, that it's not the fact that he's going to come and sit and play second fiddle to and 11, he's going to come, and I would imagine, be very much part of the 18 um, on a match day, sometimes starting, sometimes not. For me, he's going to, he's got to have more mileage in him than someone like Rashid Ghazal. Uh, in terms of the midfield, although Ibora and Silva weren't playing very much, and, and King uh, is another player that, that Puel has mentioned is likely to be on his way should the right deal come in, whatever... Um, that leaves you with four central midfielders, Mendy and Didi, Chowdhury and Matty James. Matty James looked miles off the pace against a, a League Two team. He would get eaten alive in the Premier League at the moment. And then he said at the end, of, in the same breath, he said, and we've got James Madison who can come on and sit deeper. I wouldn't trust James Madison as a central midfielder in the Premier League. I, I don't think he's got the physicality the power or the energy to play in central midfield. He's, he's he's barely got 60, 70 minutes in him playing at the number 10 role at the moment um, in the Premier League. And he's still adapting. I don't think throwing him into a central midfield role would, would, would be a good idea whatsoever. So then you've got four central midfielders, right? And then you bear in mind the fact that the best we've played this season or the best results that we've had this season have been in a 4-3-3 with three central midfielders in it. So then you're telling me that you're going to start and Didi, Mendy and Chowdhury and then you've got one player in Matty James as your backup midfield. And, and you, you know, take Clubball's comments with a pinch of salt, as you said about the transfer window. He doesn't, although he's probably been instructed to say something along those lines or be very non-committal from the media team, it doesn't strike me as the fact that he likes doing business in the in the 
January transfer window. Regardless of whether he will or not, he doesn't seem to think that it's the best practice. So if there is no movement in, in central midfield, and we're already talking about the fact that our second string team just doesn't cut it, our squad depth isn't good enough, our initial starting 11 are good but not of the quality that's needed to sort of start bridging the gap between finishing constantly, consistently in seventh and pushing towards the top six or not, then we're looking frightening, frighteningly lightweight in central midfield. And there has to be there has to be a move for somebody who's currently at a Premier League team, who has played in the Premier League before, who is not quite getting the right amount of game time at their respective club, who wants to play football between now and the summer and who can add some impetus to our midfield. There is no point, as you said, Pete, in filling up the squad with 21-year-olds from France. It's worked on a couple of occasions. It's failed on a couple of occasions. On every one of those occasions, it's taken time to get to the point where you can tell whether it works or not. You're talking... You're, you're, uh, Kante had a bit of a sluggish start. You're talking Knockart, Mares, um, Diabati, who I would consider a failure. I can't even remember where we got Rashid Ghazal from. I'm presuming it's France, but he's struggled to adapt. You need a Premier League ready player right now to come, go straight into that midfield and give you better options than you already have because that's an area that we've already highlighted as, as an issue. And now we're losing our two best technicians in that position in Ibora and Silva. Say what you like about the impact that they were able to have in the Premier League. Were they given enough opportunities or not? That's open for discussion, but they are our best technicians in a midfield position. They are, well, one's gone, one looks like he's going, or he's not getting anywhere near the first team anyway. You play 4-3-3, your one reserve midfielder is Matty James. Help. Well, agreed, absolutely agreed. It's a problem in the side. It's a, with creativity. James Madison can't play in centre midfield. Completely echo your thoughts there, being too lightweight, massively too lightweight. At the moment, in for Fox sake, HQ1, I've got the uh, Carabao Cup semi-final on with Tottenham and Chelsea. There's no... And, and everyone's going to... Well, not everyone, but people might moan as soon as I mention Danny Drinkwater's name. There's a person who, if he wants to, we don't know what the situation is, in terms of contract, in terms of when he left Leicester, whether he wants to come back at all. But there's a perfect person who would fit into the side straight away or at least give uh, another option. But looking at the likes of, say, Kante, who's playing now, you you can't imagine someone like Madison going in. I know he's a completely different player, but he'd be absolutely slaughtered in midfield. Matty James, again, just completely won't be up to pace and unfortunately for the fella he's had so many injuries he might not be a Premier League standard player again because he just can't get around the midfield I would have serious doubts over that I hope I'm completely wrong but I would have massive doubts over his future in the Premier League um we'll see how it goes it's it's a real issue they've got I know we're seventh and I know people can and we've said it before I've said it plenty of times look we're seventh in the league going going well in the league you can't argue with that no but within three or four points, you're looking at 14th. And also look at some of the teams who are around us. The likes of newly promoted Wolves who have done well, but they are a newly promoted side. You've got Everton who are still massively in and out and would probably say they've underperformed this season. You've got Watford who, as much as they've been playing well, again, fairly inconsistent, but again, it is Watford and you wouldn't say they've got an absolutely belting team. We are... 
at the top of a midfield section of the Premier League and we are very ineffective against lower league opposition, uh, lower Premier League opposition who sit back. Yes, seventh is fantastic, but it's nothing to be immensely proud of at the moment because, again, we're only just over halfway through the season. We've still got plenty of time. That can go horribly wrong. It can maybe improve. We'll see. There needs to be some massive questions answered in terms of the creativity side of the thing of things. And for two players, and, and you, you said as well, with Silver and Ibora going for various reasons, and again, their impact can be debated as well. But for Barnes, it just looks an absolute no-brainer. Again, the formation that we're playing, he would fit bang on into that. And if we change to a 4-3-3, he'd fit again nicely into that. No problems there. I can't see what the problem is. And it would have been a perfect game for him to play against Newport. Who can we sign in the transfer window? I don't know. I'm not an expert when it comes to the transfer window. If you want to sit there on Football Manager and trowel through the transfer, that's fine. But... You know, we can pick and choose a few players, but we can find out. We, we know what we want, and it's the scouting network who should be well on the case. And I would hate Leicester. I'd hate it. And it, and it's it's what's going to happen. It's, it's obviously what's going to happen, is that nothing's going to get done. Maybe one or two players leave, as we've seen Abora and Silva. Whether Barnes comes back, I think that's a, a, a kind of situation on its own. But when it comes to players also leaving on loan or leaving the club or especially players coming into the club, whether on loan or whether on deals or for whatever, it's going to be left massively late. It always is. And the problem is, by then, we might not be in the position that we're in now. We've got a few uh, difficult games coming up. I know we're playing Southampton on Saturday at home, a rejuvenated Southampton side. It's, It's just going to get left. We know it is. It always is. And I think that's what's going to happen again. And when it comes to transfer window deadline day, God knows what could happen. Anything can happen. And we know what can happen because we've had the silver debacle. Now, whether silver, if he did sign in time, would have been the player that would have been a different player. You never know. Having that bit of pre-season with the lads and not having all the problems for six months, maybe that's what's knocked him back in his Leicester career. You don't know these things. Sometimes players just burst into life and... Maybe they've been at the club two or three years and then they burst into life. Or maybe they're just disappointed and then play fantastic elsewhere. You don't know what happens uh, behind the scenes. But maybe that was the reason. It's, uh, But you know it's going to be left until deadline day itself. Of course it is. It's going to be arguably one of the most frustrating transfer windows in recent um, recent years. Because even in the windows where it's not gone particularly well, we've at least had new players to try and get to know and and look up and go, oh, that's so-and-so, yeah, they might be good, they might fit in here, whatever. Um, movement looks like it's going to be pretty sparse. Uh, and if it's left till the last minute, the, the sense of not knowing, I think, is a is a, is a struggle for, for us because we're sitting here and, and I, I think... Uh, and tell us if if you if you disagree or agree or whatever uh, at FFS Pod on Twitter is is the best way to get hold of us. But I think we're sitting here echoing the sentiments of many Leicester fans in the fact that we are seeing areas of the team that need improvement right now. And there's a transfer window open. There's a transfer window open for a reason for clubs to make transfers. And if you're saying you don't like doing deals in the winter uh, in the winter window, then again. 
I allude back to the Harvey Barnes point. Why weren't you thinking in November, right? We could do with someone to really push on the midfield here. And, oh, okay, Okazaki um, and Ianacho aren't good enough to be understudies or partners for Jamie Vardy. Um, Vardy's not as young as he used to be. Let's start looking for a ready-made centre-forward to come into the team right now. Surely these planning meetings happen. Surely these things get looked at. Um, yeah, it always seems to drag on till the end. I- I'm wondering, Pete, if we should have a little bet on here about how many more days between now and the end of January it's going to take before people start battering John Rudkin again. Just just because he's somebody to be a scapegoat because people think that they know the ins and outs of the of the workings behind the football club and that he's the man solely responsible for making transfers, which I highly, highly doubt. But I think the Rudkin bandwagon will, will strike up again just because Leicester fans are in a bit of a a bit of a mood, I think, at the minute. And it's not a, not a massively positive one, which is is annoying because, again, as, as we say, overall seventh in the Premier League is fine. But there's just so many little things that are grating people. You'd love to see somebody... I mean, it's interesting as well. The January transfer window doesn't seem to spark as much uh, speculation as the summer one, mainly because the papers have still got actual... Um, football to write about and social media has got actual football to talk about right now whereas in the summer it is a complete circus of what can we fill the back page with next so in terms of actual genuine links to real targets there haven't been any for Leicester apart from the young um, French lad who's also been interesting Stoke City which if we're in the market for a player that Stoke City are in uh, I don't think should be a realistic target for us. But he's 18, so he's not first team ready anyway. Apart from that, that's the only genuine name and possible link that we've had to bring in a player in. Um, and you're talking about the kind of players that we could potentially do with or be looking at. And I'm using these players kind of as an example. I'm not saying that we should definitely be going after this player in particular, but I'm talking examples here. Um, it's a shame for me that Ruben Loftus-Cheek has got himself a little bit more game time at Chelsea recently because he was on loan at Palace last season so he's clearly not averse to going out on loan to a Premier League team to uh, enhance his credentials Uh, he's an England international already he has got a lot of drive energy and technical ability that would fit perfectly in our midfield at the moment whether you were playing the 4-2-3-1 or the 4-3-3 somebody like that um, Moussa Dembele is about to go on a really cheap deal to China. Okay, he's a little bit older than the kind of player that we maybe should be looking towards, but as a player to sit in our central midfield for a year and a half, two years, Premier League ready, a lot of power, good technical ability, something different to what we've got at the moment. Those are just a couple of players off the top of my head who who aren't genuine Leicester targets, but they're the kind of players that that are in my mind. I don't know about you. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And we don't really want to turn into that kind of show where why aren't they signing this player? Why aren't we signing that player? One of my most hated things about social media, and there's a lot, Most it's all nonsense. Most of it's, you know, 99% of it's absolute bobbins, especially the stuff we put on there. But um, the problem is you've got a, a fan base now who are very social media driven and they can react... Um, very badly to situations and try and find scapegoats and that's along the lines of what you were saying about Rudkin there was a a very very quickly shot down 
probably the worst term actually he's used for it, but um, someone posted something about a banner about Puel and set up a, a just giving thing. It was it was quickly taken down and the person has, has, has deleted everything that, uh, because there was a lot of people who were against it. But it just shows you what, what can happen on social media and the word keyboard warrior is banded around and yes, a lot of them are keyboard warriors, but they might be going to the games and they might be starting things and the rumblings of disagreement with certain senior members of the football club like Rudkin, when you are talking about a side who, again, we're, we're, we're trying to improve on things. I know we've just been knocked out against Newport, but we're trying to improve on what we've got. So there's many plus points of what we've got, but we're just trying to improve on on the bad points of the squad and in certain positions. But we heard the boos when Vardy got taken off at home against um, Cardiff. Now, granted, yes, they went and scored a late goal, and you can argue the case until their cows come home for bringing them off. But the boos that echo round was was unbelievable. And there is a, a real discontent with the crowd currently at the King Power Stadium, as well as the crowd online, which I know it is online and people listening to this generally are online based because it's a podcast, but that that's a, a, a section of supporters which is growing all the time and becoming more and more vocal and can't really be ignored as just as, as keyboard warriors. You, you can't you can't just say that anymore because it's so prevalent. And um, and and you never know; things might escalate to the point where a few more bad results in the Premier League might result in in, in, in stupid kind of protests. You you never know what can happen. You never never know. Um, I completely agree with your Loftus cheat comment. And again, we could name five or six players like Dembele, etc. But those are the players that we need to readdress. Those in the midfield and the attacking quarter of the field for me you've got players like gray and madison to an extent who who have underperformed especially for me with gray i've always said he's he's been disappointing his uh, final ball is shooting on target record alone let alone goal scored is 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 for me poor he's not kicked on as a player like others have like uh like chilwell for example has and if those are the problem positions, if that's the problem in the side, and it obviously is, it doesn't take a, a brainiac to work that out. It doesn't take a football genius, Crocky O'Reilly. I've seen it, so it can't be. A, <laughs> you don't need to be a genius at all. Then either bring players in who can do that better, or change the formation, change the way that the team is playing to help those areas of the field. You've got a, a really good defence. You've got an experienced bat line with some good youngsters like Sachoyu, like hopefully Benkovic coming in, and Chilwell, obviously. You've got a fabulous goalkeeper. You've got some good defensive midfielders in the, at the side. And you've got some proper pro, pros like Albrighton, and you've got an icon up front. Form the team around those and give those wide players like Gray, give some youngsters or someone like Gazelle, Give these people more of a chance. And people like Madison in behind, give them help. That's what they need. They need help. They need the team to be set up to help them. And at the moment, it's not. There's too much pressure, in my opinion, being put on these players. 
and they're not delivering. Don't get me wrong, they're not delivering. But how can we do that best? Well, for me, it would be obviously personnel, but you'd, it would have to be the formation change. For, uh, they they have to go to this four three three that has worked well against some of the big sides recently. Now, if we play four three three and those players, would that work instantly against some of the lesser sides? Well, first of all, we don't know that because we've not played in that formation. Okay, but it's just one way of doing that. Um, and then when it comes to the transfer window, go for your targets. Look at the transfer window they had in the summer. Fairly successful. Benkovic, straight out on loan, looks like a player. We'll wait and see when he comes in. But the re the reviews are, it couldn't have gone better by the looks of things. So Choi looks a, a, a very good centre-half. He's only 22 and learning. But again, you'd at the moment go, there's a good signing. Madison, there's a good signing. Good footballer, young lad. He's gonna. He looks like he's going to improve. I don't think he's going to be like a grey who, by the way, has played 200 league games or 200 appearances he's made in his, his career. So I know he's only young and people say, oh, yeah, Gray's young. He's played 200 times. After 200 games, you should be pretty much towards, I won't say your peak, but you should have improved if you're ever going to by now. And I just don't think he has. So look at the transfer window that we've had. Okay, they've brought in the like of um, Gazelle, but if you're going on a 50% base that they're a success or not, then um, you'd count it as a success. Johnny Evans, that would be a success. But for me, going after those who are in charge at the top of the club in terms of like Rudkin, etc., no. And especially with what's happened at the club as well, this is the certainly not the right time to be going after some of the uh, some of the, the directors and that and and again I I've not seen a lot and we're just uh, you know speculating here and what might happen but if you know stupid things get put online about banners and that then um, I'm, I won't be surprised if stupid things regarding a hierarchy of the club would be put online. Yeah, I agree. We are unfortunately running out of time, so let's put Newport behind us. Let's. Uh agree to say what will be will be in terms of the transfer window um, and let's look ahead to Saturday I think that playing Southampton in this kind of form is actually better than playing Mark Hughes' Southampton for us because they actually look like they're enjoying playing football under uh, the new manager Ralph Hasenhutl great name by the way um, and I think they'll come and give it a decent go at the King Power, which will suit us because whatever you say about the the fact that Claude Poil is trying to transition us into a possession-based team, the fact of the matter is our best performances have come when we've been um, second best in terms of the possession stats. I think Southampton will come to try and play football, whereas I think under Mark Hughes, when they were more negative and couldn't get a result from anywhere, that they'd have come and parked the bus a little bit. And we'd have we've shown already in recent weeks how we can't play through buses, mainly South Wales-based buses, but, you know, uh, in general, playing through a team that has come to sit defensively is not um, working for us. So I think Southampton will come and give it a go. They've got some decent players. They um, have basically been struggling since Claude Puel left, let's be perfectly honest. Um, make of that what you will. Uh, I'd, I'd argue that we're similar-sized clubs. I think we're we're a bigger club now because of the infrastructure that we've got and the and the recent success that we've had. But I think it should, 
for all intents and purposes, be a, a fairly decent game of football. Because as I say, Southampton are looking a little bit more confident, a little bit more fluent under the new manager. Um, we should then be able to provide a bit of counter-attacking football. Um, you're likely to have Jamie Vardy back in the team. Um, Ricardo, who I can't believe didn't get on against Newport, to be uh, to be honest. Uh, oh no, we've forgotten about that. We're not talking about that. Uh, Ricardo will be back in the team, who's who's been a revelation um, in recent weeks, especially up for Player of the Month, of course. So congratulations to him for making that shortlist. Uh, I think it'll be a decent game on Saturday. What do you reckon? I agree. I agree with your comments regarding Southampton. They'll probably come at us now, which can only increase the likelihood of a more open game, which I still think suits Leicester. I hope to see a massive reaction. The one thing that we have had is reactions from the club and from the team and from the players and from the management. The one thing that you can't label the club well is that that he doesn't get a tune out of the players after giving them a bit of a bit of a going over, which I'm pretty sure will be happening because he did look absolutely seething on the touchline. But he he has in the past at half time and and in the build up to a, a Premier League game and we've had some performances. The inclusion of Vardy will obviously help. I would like to see them play a four three three at home. I would like to see um, the forward three players with Vardy at the top being slightly more narrow to give a more support for Vardy, but also one of them will be Madison, and I'd like the other person, whoever that would be, ideally would be Barnes, for example, but if it is Damari Gray, it could be Gazelle, it could be Okazaki, it could be Albrighton, really, but whoever it is, to be slightly nearer to Madison in the two behind Vardy, you don't, they don't have to be way out wide, they are more narrow, don't need to be out wide because we've got two fabulously attacking fullbacks in Pereira and in Chilwell. So that's where your width is coming from. That's what I would like to see. I'd like to see him play this 4-3-3 and I think it would help Madison. That's the main person it would help. You've got your midfield three with Chowdhury and, and Mendy and Ndidi. Maybe at home against Southampton you'd say that sounds too defensive. But... If it's going to be the game where we're going to be launching forward, counter-attacking each side, then then there you go. That that will work perfect. Also, we don't have anyone else. <laughs> so, and we've we've already mentioned that as well. The days of now bringing in the silver or Ibora are, are gone. Who else will come in? We'll wait and see. There has to be some work behind the scenes, but we've we've discussed that already. So, I'd like to see him go with that four-three-three and see what they can do. At home to Southampton, I think it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be. I think there's got the possibility of being plenty of goals. They look very open at the back, and I think if Leicester get an early goal, then that might play into our hands even more if they start to chase the game. I can see a good performance. I can see a win at home, and I can see the season not drifting away as maybe we were possibly saying early on in the podcast, or the possibility of it straight away at least. I can see a big reaction. I can see Vardy getting on the score sheet and a and a win to to just say, look, we do have a good side at Leicester, be it about twelve or thirteen players, and the rest there's you know plenty of room for working there. But when we do have our first team out, we're a match for anyone, and we've seen that over recent games. Yes, it's been a massive disappointment losing to Newport, all the reasons we've said before. But I can see a, a decent win on Saturday against. Uh, a more than decent side who should be avoiding relegation. A lot of people will be looking at their manager. 
Hufen, what's his name? Hufen Hassel, Hasselhoff. Hassan Hootel. Hassan Hootel. A lot of people will be looking at him going, look at the response he's got from the players. Someone in the mould of a motivator, of a kind of a clop, um, that, which, which I know is an easy thing to say, but you, you use him as an example and then there's very, very different levels of that. But, you know, a younger manager has come in who's, who's given them a bit of encouragement and looks to be all smiles and hugs and shaking hands and, and, and pure encouragement and playing a bit more of a, an attacking brand of football. That's what Southampton needed and that's what they've got. So I think there'll be a lot of Leicester fans looking and going, sort of person we want, that that's just the person we want. Now, will that happen? I think it will, and I think it'll happen in the summer. So I don't understand why people are so puel out at the moment because it's not going to happen now unless something majorly wrong happens. I, it's not going to happen until the summer if it does. So for me, you're wasting your time banging that drum all the time. You can think he wants to. Do I do I want him to go in the summer? We'll have to wait and see. See how the rest of the season pans out. But I just don't like how people are constantly banging that drum knowing that it's probably not going to happen until the end of the summer. Knowing that if they get rid of the manager, who's going to come in? And then they don't really have an idea. You know, Puel out. Who's in? I don't know. But I don't want him. Well, OK. That's, that's a great way to encourage the side. You know, I don't blame people for wanting him to leave the club. But I think they should just maybe just quiet it down for a bit and say, look, let's just get behind the team and see how we get on for the rest of the season, then go from the summer. But, uh, yeah, nice three points on Saturday to blow those Welsh cobwebs out of the way. We're not going to forget what happened against Newport, but um, a few wins in the Premier League and maybe closing that gap to sixth. And you never know what could happen at Leicester. We, <laughs> who, who knew who knew what was going to happen at the start of the season, any season? But you never know. They, they might just surprise us. It might go horribly wrong, but they might surprise us. 